Yes, welcome in, ladies and gents, boys and girls. They say that the games are more important when January rolls around. And if that is the case, then why not have a couple of podcasts a week as we will go two pods a week for the rest of the NFL season. This is, of course, the Full 10 Yards Podcast. Hey, we're rolling, we're rolling. We got all game. Oh, oh, game. Oh. Stay cool, man. We got something special for y'all today. You're listening to the Full 10 Yards Podcast. To the 10, right to the 5, stood in for the score. Touchdown. Yeah. Yeah, back for the second time this week. Back for the second time tonight, you lucky, lucky devils, if you were watching along for the full 10 yards quiz about an hour or so ago. And you will see, for those of you watching along, I'm joined by Tim, Adam and David. Welcome all into the podcast. Tim, good evening, mate. How are you? Uh, yeah, I, I think of all the people that are on this pod, on, on this pod, I beat everyone in the quiz, so I can still show my face here. <laughs> <laughs> Adam, evening, mate. How are you doing, buddy? I'm good, thank you. Yeah, I was cooking and eating during uh, during the quiz stuff just then, so I would have been Tim, but you know, I was a bit busy. I had to give uh, our exalted leader the the top prize there. <laughs> very generous of you, mate. Very generous. <laughs> I can feel to those of you watching the quiz that uh, Dave does believe that the Patriots quarterback is actually called Cam Newton. So, good evening, Dave. How are you, buddy? <laughs> yes, good, thank you. And I, I was going to say, like, I've, I've got an excuse for not doing very well in the quiz because obviously coming from the the fan. Fantasy side of things, week 17 is completely irrelevant to us, but fantasy came first, fantasy came second, so I've not even got that excuse anymore, so um, yeah, we'll put it down to uh, spelling mistakes as the as the reason that I didn't win. Yeah, the fantasy boys certainly did you proud, mate, they certainly did do you proud. We're here obviously to talk super wildcard weekend, has to be super with the NFL this year, doesn't it? So yeah, we've got an extra couple of games compared to normal, we're going to work our way through them chronologically, we're going to give you a bit of an overview of the game, get you some fantasy picks from Dave and then Adam's going to get you up to speed with the latest betting lines. Uh, let's work through them chronologically, fellas, it seems about as sensible an order as any, so let's start off with the early game. On Saturday evening, kicks off around about six o'clock UK time, five past six or something like that to be precise. And I am, of course, talking about the Colts travelling to the Bills team, probably the hottest team in the NFL right now. The Bills, so a tough one here. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if it wasn't for the Hale Murray, um, the Bills would be on a 10-game win streak. Uh, Josh Allen playing at MVP level uh, to, to be even be in consideration, considering the performances Aaron Rodgers have been putting up and, uh, you know, at points, Russell Wilson and and Patrick Mahomes obviously have fallen towards the final the final hurdles. But, uh, yeah, considering that he's still in the betting at this point and people are still considering him for that award just shows you how much he's come on since, uh, since you know, his third year. Obviously, you know, you look at his first year, his rookie year, you look at his second year and look at this year, the trajectory is is just pointing straight high up as, as it can be and it, it's going to be great if he can continue that into into year four um but the reason he's, he's done that is because of uh, adding to that offense and Stefan Diggs he's really been the key to unlocking uh, that passing game but I think kudos to to Sean McDermott and Brian Dable who's been getting some uh, head coaching interviews um you know, just what they've done with Josh Allen has been great because everyone everyone was bashing him, everyone was belittling him. Even on this podcast, we were saying that he could overthrow the moon um, to to see where he he was, where he's come to. Um, it's, it's just great to to see how a court a quarterback can be nurtured uh, if if all done right. But um, you know, it's, it's not all rosy uh, for, for the Bills. Obviously, cast your minds back to twelve months ago. Uh, they were leading Houston uh, in in the playoffs, sixteen to nil at half time, and, and lost in overtime. So uh, Allen. 
you will have to prove that he's overcome that, that uh, immaturity and uh, lack of inexperience. Uh, and he's come out this week saying that he's obviously, it's all about winning this one. I'm sure it's been playing on his mind a little bit. Um, and, you know, it, it comes down to can the, the, the Colts who have a decent offense, can they stop the, the offense of, of, of the Bills? You know, despite having a, an average run game, uh, the Bills are 20th in rush yards per game, but they, they, you know, they still have the second most points, the second most yardage. They are third in points per drive, third in total pass yards and have the most first downs this season. Nine out of 16 games, they've scored 30 points or more and seven out of 16 games, they've won by 10 or more points. So uh, and the, those seven, uh, seven games where they've won by 10 or more points have all come in the last eight games. Um, so yeah, this is a red hot Bills uh, offense at home. Going to be welcoming the Bills Matthew into the stadium as well. Uh, and you know, can the Colts handle outside? Can they handle the north? Uh, the north weather. It's not. There's not any going to be any weather concerns, but it's going to be cold. Um, and you know, the Colts can. Is it, is it going to be down to Rivers? I suspect they'll probably be uh, handing the ball off to Jonathan Taylor and, and kind of leaning on him a little bit. But the the Colts. Um, by virtue of the Dolphins' loss, potentially could be playing as if they've you know kind of got a free ticket. weren't maybe weren't supposed to be there. They were on the outside looking in uh, in week seventeen. Um, you know, for Philip Rivers, this is his twelfth playoff game. It's five or six record, uh, fourteen touchdowns and ten interceptions. Obviously, with the Chargers' first obviously playoff visit with the with the Colts, he does have a, a good record against the Bills. He is six and one, has thirteen touchdowns and just a one interception. Uh, one and zero against Josh Allen. Obviously, Josh Allen they've only faced each other once, and that was in his rookie season. So. Um, probably not not too much in in terms of the form book to go off. Um, and you know, Philip Rivers has shown at points that he can just chuck the game away. Um, you know, last week against the Jags, it looked ropey for a second, even if they were two touchdowns up or you know seven points up or or what have you. And you know, in games where they've led. 24-7 against the Steelers at halftime uh, and the Ravens game as well, just throwing stupid interceptions. He always has that in his locker. Uh, but just a word on, on the running game, which they'll probably lean, lean to because that Bills pass defence is really good. Uh, Tredavious White and, and company there will, will, will certainly pick off any errant throws that Philip Rivers throw, you know, throws with his disgusting mechanics. Uh, but yeah, Jonathan Taylor, <laughs> double-digit carries in his last six, uh, 741 yards. That's an average 123 and a half. Uh, broke the Colts franchise record last week with two 153 on the ground out doing you know, Derek Henry out. Um, Nine Himes has been complimenting quite nicely. He's had 152 touches this season, Nine Himes, which is quite a quite nearly 10 a game, which is quite higher than maybe some some would have thought. But 862 yards, uh, seven total touchdowns as well is a great compliment. And yeah, you know, if they do go to the run game, if they have to, because the Bills are are stretching out to a lead, you know they've got Ty Hilton who, who's had a late season resurgence. Uh, they've got Pascal Pittman and, and the tight ends have all dipped in at, at various points during the season. And um, so they'll probably have to go some, some short, shortish stuff, maybe some yards after the catch. But because they have so many weapons that they've integrated into the offense throughout the season, it possibly could nullify the Bills secondary a little bit because it's not all, you know, it's not like they've got a wide receiver one that will be shattered by Tredavious White. Um they can dink it or dink and dunk it all off. So um, yeah, that's what the Colts will be looking to do. Uh, but yeah, I, but yeah. It should be should be a good game to to kick us all off on Saturday. Yeah, I'm kind of glad it's the opening one because, like you say, I think it's one of the more intriguing ones. That defense for the Colts has played well and is going to have to play as well as it has done all season to to sort of hang with the Bills in this one. You would feel Tim's mentioned a few players there, Dave, in terms of the likes of Jonathan Taylor. Obviously, you know, all eyes would be on Josh Allen and his uh, receiving core. But from a fancy perspective, obviously, talking uh, daily fantasy, um, give us a few players that you think we should be having our eyes on in this one. 
Yeah, definitely. And if, if we're looking at the showdown for this game, then your captain, and it's it's unsurprising. We've we've already discussed that he is he's in the conversation for MVP, the most expensive guy that you can have as your captain. And this one is is Josh Allen at nineteen thousand two hundred dollars. And even though he is the most expensive, he is the guy that I am captain in in this one because. He's got Stefan Diggs. The relationship that they've been able to, to build up this season is is phenomenal. And yeah, you've, you you mentioned Tim earlier about Josh Allen overthrowing the moon, but he, he's got somebody to, to run that ball and, and catch the ball, especially with with some of the speedy guys that he's got there as well. So if he's if he's not getting it done on the air, then he, he's getting it done with his legs as well. He he has got that ability and and Singletree and Moss. No one knows what's going on there. And from fantasy all season, we've been saying that the the, the best red zone running back for the Bills is Josh Allen himself. So yeah. Josh Allen, I think he, he's got to be the captain in this one, and he will find a way. It's it's interesting to see. Forest Buckner questionable for this one. I think that could have a big impact on Josh Allen's game. So certainly one to to watch out for headed into that one. Uh, the, the next best guy that I like in this one, again, Tim, you've, you've already mentioned him, but it's, it's Jonathan Taylor. And from fantasy, I've been flying his flag all season. And I, I bought him um, about around that week 10 mark when people were were calling him a bust. But he had a, he had a favourable matchup. He, he built up some steam and he's, he's closed out the season really, really strongly. And it's January. It's cold. They're going to, to upstate New York. They're going to want to run. They're going to want to run the football because they're not going to want to rely on Philip Rivers too much in this one. So uh, Jonathan Taylor, I think, is in for a great game. He's available if you want to captain him at sixteen and a half thousand dollars. But um, there's there's a couple of, of great lower options in there as well. So I'm looking at maybe a couple of the the Bills pass catchers. Isaiah McKenzie had a, a decent weekend last weekend, so he's a little bit touchdown dependent in this one. But if you want to put him into your lineup, he's he's three thousand dollars there, and that, that's where I like. I, I like both kickers in this game actually. Um, Rodrigo Blankenship and and Tyler Bass. Uh, they're around the the five thousand dollar mark. Both have had decent games. Um, Tyler Bass, he's uh, he's been uh, kicking some some really long ones in this one, so I think he could put up a few points. Uh, not that I'd really, well, kickers matter. Yeah, stick stick kickers in your DFS lineups. Go for it. I saw um, I saw an interesting stat that uh, Rodrigo Blankenship's uh, distance when he when he's been kicking from fifty or forty five or something, he's not been he's not been actually been the greatest. I don't think he can his, his reach is that great. His accuracy has obviously been straight has been uh, spot on. But I, I, I was listening to another podcast earlier today and they were saying that Rodrigo Blankenship, obviously from from nearer distances, has been fine. But yeah, maybe uh, obviously in cold weather as well might even shorten the distance that he can kick from. Um, but I, I would certainly be doing uh, taking Tyler Bass over of uh, uh, Mr. Spec Savers. Yeah, he's, he's a little bit more expensive. Tyler Bass is coming out at five thousand four hundred, and Brankley ship five thousand one hundred. So again, it's it's what you can afford into your lineup. But um, yeah, I do I do prefer Bass over over Blanket ship, like you say that Tim. But yeah, a couple of a couple of good receiving options down there. Uh, Colts tight ends. If you'd have asked me at the start of the season, then we'd have, we'd have liked Mo Ali Cox maybe. But it's that's a bit of a minefield, so I'm not really liking too many of them. Uh, but I'll, I'll get onto Naheem Hines a bit later from a from a fan, from a DFS perspective. Okay, mate. We'll circle back to you a little bit later on, Adam. In terms of people wanting to make a few pounds and pens, what's the the betting looking like for this one on uh, a Thursday evening as we are now? Yep, obviously you can see on the screen now, or if you're watching the stream, if not, yeah, the Buffalo Bills are six and a half point favourites. They are one to three on the money line, so probably not worth putting in there. Uh, the Colts are 12 to five on the money line, and the totals 51. Um, regards to the season, the Colts are eight and eight against the spread, the Bills 10 and six. 
unsurprisingly, as Tim mentioned, given the fact they won the last eight games by 10 points more, they've covered the last eight in a row. <laughs> uh, uh, they have a plus 126 point point margin on the season. The Colts is that, are 8 is that good? Is that good? Uh, that's pretty good. Yeah, that's <laughs> pretty good. But in fairness, the Colts are plus 89. So it's not like they haven't been putting up points. Uh, the Colts have scored 24 plus in the last eight games. Um, and I think the Bills are around that as well. The Bills have scored, I think, sure, I had it written down somewhere, about 31 points per game this season, which, yes, that is quite good. Um, mm. Weirdly, the Colts have won 11 first halves and they've won 12 second, half, uh, 12 second halves this season. So they've been fairly consistent throughout the games. Uh, the Bills have won 13 first halves this year, which is obviously pretty darn impressive. Um, so, yeah, you've got to really, you've got to expect points. So 51. I think you've really got to aim for the over there. But yeah, I, I do like the Bills, obviously, they're the form team at the moment. They, they can put up points everywhere. They're fairly decent on both sides of the ball on defense and offense. Stefan Diggs leads the league in receptions and receiving yards this year. And yeah, Josh Allen spreads the ball around. Obviously, Diggs hasn't scored a huge amount, but um, he, he just finds a way. And obviously, Alan can either rush them in or use his tight ends as he likes to do in the short yardage areas. So, yeah, I think should be a heck of a game. I'm, I'm very happy they've started with an AFC game because, frankly, the AFC games are far better on paper than the NFC this weekend. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to this one. Yeah, it should be a belter. Your best bet on the screen at the minute, you obviously fancy the Bills in this one because your best bet is actually the Bills minus six and a half. So you fancy them yeah. to cover that spread as well, mate, yeah? Yeah, definitely. Um, if you want to do a teaser, um, I think the Bills are like 15-1 and one on teasers, which is basically where you get an extra six points, but you have to double them with another game. Um, I don't know who I would go with at the moment, but um, yeah, they are the best teaser leg in the league this year, so could be one to look at if you wanted to do that kind of thing. Yeah, we'll circle back to all our predictions for all these games once we've gone through there you go a bit of a preview of what's to come in the early matchups some fancy players and obviously your betting lines getting you right up to speed from all angles let's move on then fellas next game on the schedule is the rams and the seahawks obviously a divisional battle we're used to seeing this game on a semi-regular basis we talked about this on our pod on monday night tim didn't we the nfc west threatened to be one of the best divisions in football and i think the injuries to the sea uh, to the san francisco 49ers put a real dampener on it because i think they probably proved towards the back end of the season when they got players back more often than not they were certainly very competitive obviously pulled out a few wins in their own right um but the rams certainly a team that are trending in the wrong direction the seahawks however on the back of a very quiet four game win streak mate so take us through your views on this one yeah, it's, it's an interesting game, and isn't obviously the big question mark on this one is who plays at quarterback. Uh, I think if you ask the Rams fan base, you'd, I'd be I'd be very interested to see kind of what split uh, what split they want John Wolford at quarterback and what split wants a, a Jared Goff with a broken thumb. Um, yeah, obviously these teams two teams know each other very well. It's got all the makings of another low scoring affair, especially if you watch the last couple of weeks. The Seattle defense has improved uh, over the course of December. They are at home, and you know Rams has one of the best, if not the best. De- 
defense in the league in, in quite a lot of metrics. Um, two matchups they've had this season, they're one, each, uh, one, one and one each. Um, Rams one week 10, Seattle one week 16, so just two weeks ago, uh, obviously at uh, CenturyLink Field. Seattle actually seven, seven and one at home this season as well, so um, they can get it done without the 12th man at, in the stadium, it seems as well. Um, just a, a point, I, I think this will come down to the quarterbacks. Russell Wilson is nine and six in the playoffs, uh, six and one in Seattle's first playoff game, depending on whether it's uh, wild card or divisional. Uh, so yeah, six and one in the in the Seattle's first playoff game in postseason, and he's only just thrown one interception. So he gets going, he hits the ground running whenever they uh, they play in January. Uh, but he is eight and ten against the Rams all time. Uh, is six and three against the Rams at home, uh, and he's not actually thrown an interception versus the Rams at home since 2016. There's actually, if you look into the stats, there's actually quite a big home road split for Russell Wilson against the Rams. Um, so I'm sure him and Pete Carroll and the rest of the Seahawks, uh, 12, the the 12 people, or whether you've got the 12th man, I was going to call him, but I, 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 we're, not on, we're not on a cricket, we're not on a cricket, shall we? Um, so he's actually got quite a big factor. So they'll be they'll be happy that they are playing. Uh, at home, DK Metcalf, obviously one of the um, the main threat for Seattle. He's 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 been very quiet versus the Rams in the two meetings this season. He's had twelve targets, eight receptions, which sounds okay on the face of it, but they've all combined for just eighty-seven yards and zero touchdowns. Probably get the Jalen Ramsey treatment once again. So you're probably going to have to look for Tyler Lockett to to shoulder some of the load. Uh, he had a two touchdown game last week, obviously in week week seventeen against the 49ers but he had a, he's had a bit of a barren spell in December. Uh, but both wide receivers uh, have had a thousand yards. Season. Seasons. Uh, and we've seen the last couple of weeks Freddie Swain getting into the mix and David Moore, uh, who very nicely got that nice bonus from Russell Wilson with a little uh, mm. flip forward <laughs> pass to, to, to get a tiny bit more money in his wallet, which I'm sure um, he was... He was very thankful for Car- uh, Chris Carson. Obviously, many of the running game, and they've been they've been they've been interchanging all season with, with their running backs due to injury as well. And I don't really expect too much to change in terms of how they deploy their their running backs. So, um, yeah, I, I think that they will have to get some something going in the air to to, to win the game. But it does it does make for a for a run the ball um, on both sides uh, for both teams, uh, which will probably lead to uh, to a low scoring affair. We'll see if Adam agrees on that. But for the Rams, like I say, John John Wolford, I think at this point is likely going to be under center. Under center. Sean McVay obviously come out and said that they are they're going to keep it stern. They're going to mum's the word. They're not going to announce any any QB uh, news until maybe like late in the weekend or maybe just before uh, kickoff. Uh, Jared Goff was limited on Wednesday in practice, um, but John Wolford obviously needs only start. Uh, in the NFL last week was the first player to have 200 passing yards and 50 rushing yards uh, as a QB in their first NFL start, which still boggles my mind when we when we spoke about that on Monday. Uh, but he should have Cooper Cap back for this one and uh, Cam Akers, despite his uh, Jordan Howard season numbers of uh, 21 attempts, 34 yards last week. Um, he was he was obviously fit enough on that, that that ankle injury, so it'd be interesting to see if he's any any better for better for the run to use a, a horse racing term. But I think the Rams, like I say, they they are one of the best defenses in the league. They're going to they're going to lean on that there first in points given up uh, per game 18 and a half um you know first downs that they give up their best on that as well and the passing the passing touchdowns that they give up their best in the league on that as well and just a battle of the coaches Sean McVay is five and three versus P- uh, Pete Carroll not many uh, head coaches can say they have a winning record against Pete Carroll so uh, kudos to him but it, yeah it's an interesting one because you know it might not certainly be the game itself but the the aftermath of this game if, if Wolford comes in and plays well or Jared Goff comes in and plays badly it could be a very a very interesting off-season discussion about the quarterback position in Los Angeles so uh, that's just a nice little storyline bubbling underneath uh, you know under the under the precipice of the of this game but uh, yeah 
Yeah, I think it's trending that way, regardless of the results. To be honest, I think there is going to be some questions about Jared Goff. But whoever's under centre for the Rams, David, let's come to you from a fantasy angle on this one. Like you said, plenty of players that you could have probably called out in the previous game. This one possibly a little bit more difficult to to put your finger on it, as Tim alluded to there. The Seattle offence in the first half of the season, you could have picked the whole team and you'd have been quite happy with the results. But obviously in recent weeks, it's it's slowed somewhat. So try and uh, work your way through this one for us, mate. Who are you picking from a DFS perspective? Yeah, this is this is a really, really difficult one, like you say. And the, the quarterback situation there in, in Los Angeles isn't helping things. Uh, Jared Goff is currently $15,000 if you wanted to, to captain him. And, and Wolford is, is 14100 So there's hardly any split between the two. And if you consider that that Russell Wilson is sixteen and a half thousand, they're both not worth it at this stage. It's I, I'm waiting. I'm waiting to get a call on that before I even considering putting either of them in. But the Seattle defense has improved that much towards the, the back end of the season. And Jared Goff, we know he likes to throw an interception. I, I'm not even sure if I'm considering him in at all this for this one. Uh, my captaincy is a really difficult decision to make because DK Metcalf, I'm not wanting him at all. I'm not wanting to touch him because obviously he'll be going up against Jalen Ramsey and, and Jalen Ramsey, the stats that he has put up this season is is absolutely incredible. He should be in the conversation for a defensive player of the year for me. So I'm going to go a little bit left field and I am going to go for Cam Akers as my captain in this one. Uh, he's $12,900 if you want to go there. Because I think the Rams are going to have to, to run the ball if they if they want to win this game. And it's it's been a bit of a minefield, that, that backfield this season. But Akers, I know you mentioned last week, Tim, he didn't have the, the best stat line there. But another week removed from, from that ankle injury. And we've seen him put up some big numbers with, with that amount of carries that he's had previously in the season. So I am going to go for Cam Akers as my captain in this one. Which means I need to look at my next best. Seattle secondary has improved greatly over this season. Uh, I'm not liking Robert Woods, so I'm going to go with Cooper Cup with this one. He's currently $7,800. He, he loves the reception, Cooper Cup, and I think whichever quarterback will be thrown to him will want to, to target him the ball uh, quite a few times, and he will be, he'll be a nice play, obviously, in, the, in this PPR format. And my value, Tim, it's, you, you, you read in my mind, Tim, it's David Moore. He's um, he's one thousand eight hundred dollars currently. Six touchdowns on the season for for David Moore, so he could easily get a touchdown in this one, especially with with Jalen Ramsey blanketing uh, DK Metcalf. Uh, Tyler Lockett, I think, will will have a good game as well, but obviously he comes in at a lot higher price than David Moore. Yeah, but David Moore eighteen hundred dollars. He's my uh, value for this one value pick. Sounds good to me, mate. You mentioned David Moore. Adam, I'm going to flip to you and see if you can find us a, a tiny bit of money to win on this one. But just to quote Tib there, a tiny bit of money. I believe David Moore got an extra $100,000. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if that's a tiny bit of money, fellas, we need to renegotiate for next season. Re relatively. Come on, relatively. <laughs> well, it was, uh, yeah, Manny Sanders celebrated a, a catch like he'd won the Super yeah. Bowl when he, uh, he got that half a million bonus. And it's like, uh, yeah. Half a million dollars for catching a ball. Crikey. Not a bad world, is it, mate? Not a bad world at all. But Adam, let's get to the, the betting. I'm sure we're not going to be winning hundreds of thousands unless we're feeling really brave, so take us through it, mate. Well, obviously, David Moore won me uh, £1,400 uh, a couple of years back when he caught two passes. So, um, yeah, he's he's <laughs> he's good at earning a little bit of extra money for people. Uh, it's still probably my best, best win ever. Um, yeah, Seattle are the three-and-a-half-point favourites, obviously, at home. 
Um, 42 and a half points is the total. As Tim alluded to, it's probably going to be a low scoring game. Um, the Rams are 4 and 12 to the under this season. Uh, the Seahawks 7 and 9. Uh, over the last six games of the season, the Rams have only gone over 24 points once and the Seahawks have only gone over 26 points once. So, yeah, they've been fairly fairly poor on offense, these two teams, over the last six games of the season. Um, one thing that I did want to mention is Andrew Whitworth being back for the Rams is huge. Um, he is going to be fired up, obviously. He could do with a playoff win after 10 years at the Bengals with... As, as everyone knows, not many playoff wins in that time. <laughs> <laughs> um, weirdly, the Rams have won 14 second halves this season. Um, and on the other side of it, the Seahawks have won 11 first halves. So you can see where the betting idea comes there is Seahawks first half, uh, Rams second half. Um, but yeah, I think it'll be a low scoring game. I do think the Rams will have enough to win, depend whether it's uh, Wolford or Goff, frankly. Um, I like Wolford on the ground, um, rushing yards for him. If he does play, he ran, I think, 70-yard last week and his rushing line was 26.5. So he's a good one to look at if he does get the start. And you've you got to think he'll play through. Um, interesting, Rashad Penny again. Uh, Tim mentioned him a couple of weeks back. He's not done a whole lot, but it, it just seems like one of those games that someone random is going to score, especially when there's probably only going to be a few scores. And they know that the teams know each other that well that I think there's a good chance he'll be a, a weirdo. A weird kind of name that scores and um i think penny has got the talent it's just whether he's healthy enough so yeah um low scoring game rams i think rams win outright frankly you can get out eight to five um but i've selected rams plus three and a half on the spread yeah well i mean it's um like you say if you fancy to win on the money line then obviously the best but certainly with the points you would you would certainly be just in terms of that over-under, you've probably alluded to there, but I'm assuming the money's going to go towards the under on that one, you would suggest? I'd imagine so. Yeah, the regular season, there was 20, they, it was 20 to 9 and 23 to 16 in the two games. So it's 38 points and 29 points. So I'd imagine there's, I, I doubt many people are going to be taking the over on that one. So yeah, you'd think it's going to come down. Yeah, interesting indeed. Interesting stat as well about your uh, you winning the first half, second half. Obviously, Sean McVay, I think he's still got that record intact, hasn't he, of never losing a game when he leads at half time with the Rams. So, uh, yeah, obviously, yeah, obviously the Seahawks will hope to to continue that trend then and get out to a half time lead and see if the Rams can pull off the the comeback in the second half. For the hardcore amongst us, then the final game on Saturday evening, um, of course, is going to be. Washington and Tampa, um, the much ridiculed NFC East, um, as it has been throughout the course of the season. But the football team, to be fair, five and two after a two and seven start. So, you know, playing reasonably well, it's got to be said, over the past couple of months. Um, and obviously, the, the Buccaneers, much hyped, much talked about. Offense seems to be clicking into gear just at the right time, Tim. So, certainly a strength versus strength battle in this one. Yeah, there's a, there's a fascinating matchup here. Obviously, Chase Young's come out and said that he wants to to face Tom Brady, and, and I think the this 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 game's going to be decided on whether or not the the Washington Redskins Washington Redskins Washington football team there's money money in the swear jar there. Um, if they can limit, they, they can get to Tom Brady. Can they get to him? Can they limit him? Can they knock him off his perch? Uh, they're, they're the fourth best uh, defense in terms of points given up. Uh, average just over a shade over 20. They are second in yards uh, per play given up as well. So they do have the defense to do it. It's just about can 
can um, can they generate enough of a pass rush with the three or four that they send, and so they can drop more people back into coverage and uh, and disrupt Tom Brady and say knock him off his perch and and, and uh, force him into some errors. Um, if you can, uh, Washington can can do it. They've, they're sixth in sacks on the season. They're seventh in terms of percentage of plays where they've made a QB, QB pressure once every every roughly every four plays. And there's so much talent on that defensive line for Washington. They've invested a lot of draft capital into it. They've got Chase Young from this year, Montez Sweat last year, Ryan Kerrigan, the vet. Veteran uh, Deron Payne was a, well, I think, was the first or second round pick over uh, a couple of years ago, and there's 15 players on this Washington team that have recorded at least half a sack. Um, so there's plenty of, of um, uh, interchanging on, on the defense and who comes and who doesn't go. Um, so it'd be interesting to see what they dial up against Tom Brady. I know it's easier said than done to you know to to, to move Brady from from the pocket and get him out and about. But um, Chase versus Jedrick Wills is going to be a fascinating matchup over on uh, you know Jedrick Wills is one of the PFF's highest grades. Uh, uh, tackles as a rookie and Chase Young obviously for is one of the highest graded uh, pass rushers uh, this season. So it'd be interesting to see who wins that battle. Uh, obviously, the number, was it the number two and number 11 picks? I think overall, maybe 13. I can't remember when Tampa Bay picked. But, um, you know, for Washington to win, they will have to get short fields. They'll have the defense will have to get a turnover, a fumble, uh, a turn, a short field, and then, and then turn that into a counter punch and turn that into points. Um, you know, if you look at Tom Brady's games against New Orleans, obviously two of those this year's Kansas City uh, and the and the Rams, who have notoriously good defenses, um, he's thrown multiple picks in each of those games, so it can be done. Um, so if they do get fumbles or interceptions and get short fields, you know, you need Antonio Gibson, Terry McLaurin, in, who have both both been limited this week uh, on the, on the practice report. Uh, you need them to step up and, and get in the end zone. And Logan Thomas has has, has been more than a, a capable receiver uh, tight end this season as well. Uh, Alex. Smith was limited on Wednesday as well. He probably needs to start. I don't think if you're Taylor Heineke is going to start, I, I can't. I just can't see Washington putting up enough points. Uh, but this Washington defense will need to limit Tampa Bay to it to 21. I think is the maximum that they could probably give up before you know Washington. You think that's probably insurmountable uh, for for Washington, but for Tampa Bay. Funnily enough, they probably just need to run the ball in this game. The, the Tampa Bay, uh, the Washington's run defense can be got at. Yes, they are good at pass rushes. Yes, they don't give up much yardage through the air. But if you run on them, you can get a, a, a bit of success. Um, you know, like I say, they only the Tampa Bay probably only need to score twenty-one points, twenty-four points to probably win this game. And they have running backs like Leonard Fournette. Ronald Jones has been a full go this week in practice as well. Uh, Keyshawn Vaughn, Deshaun uh, McCoy has been in and out of the team this season. This, this season, so. I, I think it's the battle of, of actually doing what is going to win the game, which is run the ball against the temptation to pass it. Bruce Arians is a vertical passing, uh, pass, uh, vertical offense. He loves throwing the ball downfield. Tom Brady has been a lot made of his accuracy on deep balls. He's been okay in December so far on on, on that front. Um, but there's no Devin White for Tampa. Uh, JPP Jason Pierre-Paul didn't practice on Wednesday either. So there's a there's a few big injuries there on that Tampa Bay defense side. Sets up to be a, 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 a enticing and intriguing game if you are staying up late. And I think that if you're looking for an upset, I think the trendy pick is to pick Washington. Uh, obviously, Ron Rivera has been uh, has taken a, a team when he was the uh, head coach of the Carolina Panthers when they were, had a losing record but won the uh, NFC South uh, with Carolina. Obviously, Cam Newton, and uh, so he's done it before. He's only, he's only one of two teams that have, that have done that. Seattle being obviously being the other, but he, so he's done it before. He, you know, he's got the team to the to the playoffs. They've essentially got a free ticket because the NFC East has been crap this season. Um, <laughs> 
But yeah, I, I think possibly, you know, Mike Evans obviously is another one, a big injury for Tampa Bay. I think if he can go, if he's no structural damage to his knee, from what from what I read, uh, Antonio Brown's been picking up uh, a bit of head of steam in, in December as well. But if you've got him, uh, AB, Godwin, Gronk, I, I think they'll probably just have too much firepower for Washington. But if Washington can can create something early, put a bit of pressure on Tom, he could get off, uh, he could get a bit flappy and uh, the doors the doors could open. Yeah, absolutely. I've actually done the written preview for this game, which will land on the website tomorrow. Um, and yeah, like you say, that Washington defence, just to clarify, Duron Payne was indeed a first round. It was four consecutive first rounders that they've spent on that uh, defensive line. So yeah, like you say, that's going to be surely the way that Washington stay competitive in this game. And just to clarify as well for anyone listening along, it's Tristan Wirfs, the tackle for Tampa, not Jed oh, Wills. Just a nice it's fine, mate. It's absolutely fine, mate. Jedrick Wells is, uh, as far as I'm aware, he's still a Cleveland Brown defensive lineman. So, yeah, they are both offensive tackles. <laughs> so, um, Dave, are you going to be brave enough to put the Washington defence in your fancy team for this one, or are you going elsewhere? Uh, no, I think Tom Brady, he's he's finally clicking now with in the, the Aryan system. He had that stretch in the middle of the season where, I can't remember the, the stat, but it was about 30 deep balls um, of, of air yards over 20 yards where he didn't make a single completion, but he seems to be hitting them pretty regularly now. Uh, Chris Godwin, it was a beautiful catch that, that he made um uh, was it the weekend before last year? Uh, but it's, it's it's one of the the, the past catches in Tampa Bay that I'm going to captain this weekend. And with, with Mike Evans questionable, I think Tampa Bay will will go in this one. I think Evans will play a limited role in this in this in this matchup in the, with the view that they're they're going to play divisional, maybe championship, maybe Super Bowl. So I think Evans will have a limited role, which will open the door wide open for Chris Godwin and Antonio Brown. And it's Antonio Brown that I'm going to captain in this one. He is $13,800 if you want to do so. Uh, 13 targets, 11 receptions last time out. He's had four touchdowns in his last three games. And he's, he's just starting to, to get going, AB. So I really, really like him in this one. Washington, yeah, they've got a decent defense. But but as you mentioned, Tim, the, the, the firepower that, that Tampa Bay have got, and with, with Tom Brady playing the way that he is at the moment, uh, I just think it'll be far too much. And, and AB will come to play in this one. And we, we've got to remember that the AB very, very recently was there wasn't much argument to say he was the best wide receiver in the league and he, he had games off and I know there's there's off-field questions that, that we'll be asking and, and whether he's going to be training but this guy spent time living with Tom Brady so that chemistry is going to be there and I, I see that continuing into the playoffs. Somebody else that I want in my team is Logan Thomas uh, and that is on the condition that, that Alex Smith does go in this one and um, the, the quarterback situation in Washington as we know is pretty murky uh, Dwayne Haskins now has left. Uh, Heineke, Heineke is is actually nine thousand dollars in this one, so it's it's not really clear as to who's going to be. It's it's a bigger split than it is between Walford and Goff, but um, Alex Smith is thirteen and a half thousand dollars going into this one. But Logan Thomas, tight end across the middle, uh, nine thousand nine hundred dollars if you want to cap him in in this one, which I'm not going to do, but uh, six thousand six hundred if you just want to pop him in your lineup. And then finally, my value play is Scotty Miller. So for very similar reasons that we are going with Antonio Brown for the for the for the captaincy, uh, Scotty Miller is only two thousand four hundred dollars if you want to put him in your showdown lineup, and he's always got a touchdown in the locker. Um, it's very touchdown dependent. This one, he's not going to get five, six, seven receptions. He's only going to get 
three, maybe even four, uh, an absolute push. But he has always got a touchdown in the locker, has Scotty Miller. And at that price, $2,400, it means you can stack your lineup at a higher position and then uh, fill Scotty Miller in and hope for a touchdown. Yeah, absolutely, mate. Like you say, he's been a bit uh, boom or bust all season long, but like you say, particularly if Mike Evans is limited, I mean, it does sound and suggest, as you said there, that he may well play some sort of a role in this one. But obviously, uh, if we get a game-time decision that he's a, a no-go, then all of a sudden 2400 for Scotty Miller seems like excellent value. Indeed. Adam, let's come to you from a betting perspective then on... This one, um, obviously one of those bizarre ones where the highest seed is going to be the underdog, I would suggest, and it certainly is. Where's your graphics, mate? Take us through it. Yeah, obviously, as you can see, Tampa Bay, uh, eight, eight and a half point favourites. Total is 45. Um, you can only look under the total, as Tim said. Tampa probably only need 21 to 23 They've to win this game, and they, they should be able to get above that. Uh, Tampa have scored 24 plus in the last seven games. Um, the Washington have only scored twenty above twenty three once in the last seven. Uh, they they finished the season with five unders in the row. Washington did. Um, so yeah, it seems fairly fairly sure that they're not going to score a huge amount of points. They are five ten and one to the unders this year. Uh, weirdly though, Washington have won thirteen second halves this season, which um, is a fairly remarkable stat. Um, but on the other side of it, the Bucks have won 11, so you can't really get any kind of inkling towards what's going to happen with that. Uh, the Bucks have averaged 31 points per game. And strangely enough, another little weird kind of quirk I found was um, the Bucks hadn't scored in the first quarter for four games in a row before the last uh, last couple of weeks, um, which just seems a little bit strange with, with Brady there. Um, but obviously, they kind of bounced back. And yeah, the last two weeks... 47 and 44 points is just uh, it's just going to be far too much for Washington frankly so the the worry is that they put up a lot of points and Washington can't stop them um but I prefer the under just cuz Washington clearly do have a very good defense and Brady in prime time as has been alluded to has been terrible this year frankly so I wouldn't be surprised if he struggles a little but it's playoff Brady so it 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 is going to be an intriguing one it won't be one I'm staying up for but Tim's right it's going to be very interesting rather than exciting, I think, for uh, for a betting point of view. It, it it could, I mean, yeah, Washington defense against Tampa offense is, is going to be the thing to watch. But yeah, I'm hoping for under 45 points. I saw a stat somewhere that this is Brady's first away game in the wild card round in his career. <laughs> that's um, yeah, that's yeah. impressive. Oh. Yeah, it's probably not too much of a surprise where you think where he's come yeah. from, but as you say, for the for the length of a career and all the playoff appearances he's had, it's it's still quite remarkable to find that. Uh, one that might be interesting, I don't know whether Adam potentially can find it whilst we are recording, um, certainly some of the news or the noise coming out from Ron Rivera is that they may be splitting time at quarterback, and if that is the case, I don't know where Heidecke's rushing yardage potentially would be. Could be a sneaky one to get some value on if he is going to be subbed in for a play or to um you know that potentially could be uh an interesting avenue um obviously like you say all things trending towards alex smith struggling a little bit so whether he's going to be full go whether there will be a timeshare there we'll wait and see um but yeah as you say i think uh, a, a good first quarter required from washington before this one becomes a blowout um i think if they can keep it tight and like you say get get to brady get him a bit flustered it could be an intriguing one 
Right then, fellas, that's all of Saturday. Um, so we've gone through all of the games from a sort of giving you a bit of a view of it, giving you some fancy, giving you some betting advice. Let's get to our predictions on this one. Um, and there we go up on the screen. We've all gone for the Buffalo Bills. Uh, clean sweep there. I think everyone probably in agreement just in terms of how hot the Bills are at the minute. I don't think that's anything negative against the Colts as such. I just think they're just running into the wrong team at the wrong time. Um, three of us go for the Seahawks without going for LA. We'll come back to that in a moment. And all of us going for the clean sweep of the books. Adam, you obviously mentioned it during a little preview of the game itself. But um, like I say, you're the only one there back in, back in the underdog. You fancy LA to pull off a sort of mini surprise there. Yeah, it's the only underdog I fancy all weekend, to be honest, um, without wanting to spoil the, the picks in the second half of the show. Um, yeah, I just, it, again, McVeigh versus Carroll, as Tim said, he's got a good record against him. Um, and I think, I think frankly, they'd be better with Wolford there just to mix it up a little. The teams know each other well, and it could just be the kind of spanner in the works that shifts it their way. And yeah, the, the Rams' defense has been brilliant. I think with Ramsey locking down Metcalf, it does make it a lot more difficult. So it is the only, the only upset of uh, definitely of Saturday that I like. And yeah, it, it, as you said, three and a half points isn't a huge upset, but um, I think it's quite a possible one. I think with the three, the three and a half as well. Uh, for people that, that watched our betting pod throughout the season, I always I always harp on about three and a half. If you're three and a half is a, is always a get on the plus side of it. If you if you think it's going to be a close game because you get the hook as well. If, if, a field goal game either way. Uh, if the Seattle Seahawks win by a last-minute field goal or, or whatever, you still get the point five on top on top of that. So you, you're you're happy either way. It's a really good number if you're betting with the the underdog three and a half. Obviously two and a half, yeah. you'd, you'd be Seattle. Yeah, and the Seahawks have been involved in eleven one-score games this year, so yeah. it's probably going to be a fairly close one. Certainly could be. I think uh, I think we're all quite happy with the TV schedule there as well from a UK perspective. I think the best game is the early one. That's probably the one that uh, most of us are looking forward to watching. Probably going to be the one with the most points, we would probably think. But obviously, once we've done all of that on Saturday, quick few hours kip back up and we go again on Sunday. Three more on the slate and we open up with a game that could be uh, full of rushing yardage to say the least. We are of course talking Ravens and Titans, Lamar Jackson and co against King Derek Henry. So Tim, is the ball going to spend any time in the air in this one? Yeah, probably not. Um, no, it's, it's an interesting game. Obviously this is a repeat in, in last season, uh, bit, maybe a bit of role reversal to be on, to be honest as well. Obviously uh, Tennessee went into Baltimore and, and shut them down pretty quickly, didn't they? Uh, and Henry running, running all over them. Uh, but obviously the roles, yeah, reverse in, in this one. Baltimore picking up the head of the steam probably at the right time, bit on fire the last couple of weeks. Uh, they led the league in point differential, where won their last five. Uh, obviously battered the Bengals last week just to essentially was a bye week, wasn't it? Um, yeah, the, the the game last year, 28 to 12, uh, Titans coming and won. Um, and obviously the, the Titans won the game in the regular season uh, in Nashville as well. So uh, Lamar Jackson, loads of question. Well, I say loads of question marks over him, but obviously he's not in tune the playoffs. He's got to get the, the playoff goose egg uh, out of his locker. So that'll be playing him on his mind a little bit, maybe making him twitch. But then you'll say he's, he, he's going to run the ball more than he, throw, he throws it. So maybe his, his nervousness won't come out so much in, in his arm because he'll be running the ball. But um, you know, this the Titans' pass defense is one of the worst in the league, which will allow them if they want you to stay balanced on the Baltimore offensive side. And um, I, you know, if I was John Harbaugh, I'm not for once for one minute thinking I'm a, I'm a head coach, but you know, is it a case where you use the pass to set up the run? It does go against their mantra, and like I say, they they put up over 400, 400 rushing yards last week against the Bengals. Um, you know. 
it's quite striking that Baltimore are the league worst in terms of pass yards per game at 171, um, but they have 191 uh, average rush yards per game, which is obviously best in the league, obviously aided by uh, by last week's production. Um, but yeah, if, you, if you're the Titans, you're Mike Vrabel and Ryan Tannehill, you, you're kind of saying the same formula required, please. It's, you know, get a lead, uh, keep the lead and, and, and run it down Baltimore's throats. Baltimore aren't a team to, to come from behind. Derek Henry's just run for over 2,000 yards. I don't think he's, uh, he's ready to... To, to give up or his, his tyres aren't going to uh, aren't going to burst anytime soon uh, but Tannehill himself blossoming in, into a fine quarterback um, 33 touchdowns on the season uh, in, in plus 7 rushing touchdowns as well yeah. how many times have we seen uh, Lawrence's favourite play where he tucks it and runs on the uh, Henry fake to the left tackle um, but yeah five, five of those uh, rushing touchdowns actually come in the last three games and um, they'll probably need to be creative in, in how they, they go against the Baltimore rush defence Um I think it's going to have to come down to one of the receivers for Tennessee, whether it be Corey Davis, Johnny Smith, or or um, second year wide wide receiver AJ Brown, um, who had a lovely catch uh, last week to set up the the last second field goal against the Texans. Um, one of those are going to have to make a big third down play to to either extend a drive or to to give them the lead late on. I think it's going to have to come down to you know. Tannehill making that throw. Uh, I don't think they can rely maybe on the run game. I think Baltimore have, have, have stuffed up the run game a little bit from uh, from previous uh, previous matchups. But I think with, with Tennessee as well, I think they will probably need to to get a break early on in terms of the defense. So whether that be an interception, a fumble, or a turn a turnover, just to kind of give them give them one or two drives where they've got a short field where they can like like so probably like Washington just counter punch a little bit to allow them to establish that lead to allow them to to uh, manage the clock with with Derek Henry and whoever else, you know, Jeremy it's Jeremy McNichols and. Um, Darrington Evans, they've been putting back there for, for little bits as well. So um, I, I, I think that uh, it's, it's and again of the, of the three matchups, I'm glad that this is the first one up. It's going to be a, a fascinating matchup and uh, just be interesting to see. Obviously, Ravens out for a bit of revenge against the Tennessee Titans and Lamar Jackson out to to silence some critics. So it's going to be a fascinating game. Yeah, it's an interesting one. And you mentioned there about not being built to come from behind. I think that's probably true of both of these sides. So mm. something's got to give because someone's obviously going to fall behind at uh, at some point. And like you say, I think it'll be who can stick to their true identity uh, for the longest in this one. I think you would probably say that Baltimore, and it always sounds as though I'm being ultra critical. <laughs> they are more one-dimensional than the Titans. I don't think that's too harsh to say. That's just the, the plain facts of it. Um, so I think it's more important that they control the, the scoreboard. Um, but obviously, it'll be an interesting one. Obviously, then, Dave, I'm assuming that we're going to go heavy on guys that are going to rack up yardage on the ground in this one from a fancy perspective. Yeah, definitely. And this is a game that could be over in two hours because uh, the amount of rushes that we're going to see in this one, it's going to be it's going to be a feast. A um, little bit of a question. Well, before I go into it, does anybody know why the games kick off five minutes later on playoff weekend? <laughs> is it national anthems I, I or um, extra I, I don't have the answer, kind of music but... stuff at the start? Music. Oh. <laughs> no, you know, yeah, just kind of national anthems and um do, do they add to that on um the playoff games? I don't know. Good will be. Good will be. Good will be. I'm not sure. I don't have an answer. I apologize <laughs> for asking a question that I don't have an answer to. So if you if you're watching and you do have the answer, then please uh, please let us know. But yeah, in this one it is very much centered around the, the running games and 
who else is going to be the captain in this one? It's the King. He's just gone for over 2,000 rushing yards in the season. And it is Derek Henry. He is my captain this weekend. And he comes at a price of $17,400 if you want him to be that. Because we, we saw it last year in the playoffs. And it's December. He is just going to go in this one. They're going to give him the ball. Get out of my way. At least times. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm, we're going to see stiff arms, touchdowns, and a lot of yardage from Derek Henry. So there's there's no competition for the, for the captain position in my book. Point of view, uh, maybe Lamar Jackson. I think he's he's destined for a uh, for a high rushing game, but no, it's got to be Derek Henry. And if you're going to invest that kind of money, then I think you're going to struggle to get Lamar Jackson in your lineup as well. So I'm going to go for for J.K. Dobbins here. He's 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 been a little bit hot and cold, a little bit of the uh, the rookie. He's he's not looked great in some games, but other games he, he's really dominated. He's he's ten thousand dollars to start into your lineup here. But Baltimore, obviously, they went for for over four hundred rushing yards last week, so he, he's going to get a, a good whack of those. Now the value ones in this one are really interesting because the prices do fall off a cliff a little bit here. Uh, three interesting ones, and this is it's going to literally be pull a name out of a hat. They've got four touchdowns between them, but it's the Tennessee tight ends that aren't called Johnny Smith. So we've got Ferkser, we've got Pruitt, and we've got Jeff Swain. Um, they are in the hundreds of dollars. Well, Ferkser isn't. Ferkser's 2,100, but Swain's 900. Pruitt's 300. And he's one with two touchdowns on the season. So what I would do is I would stack your lineups in this game with the the, the running backs, the, the Lamar Jackson, and then just spend three hundred dollars on on Pruitt because <laughs> all it takes is for him to get a random touchdown, and it makes it worth it because you've been able to get the yardage at the top of your lineup with the with the big guys up there. So that'd be my advice for this one, or or maybe even like a, a Jeremy McNichols or a Darrington Evans. Um, they're they're both three hundred dollars as well. Uh, Jeremy McNichols is we've seen him have up to eleven attempts on the ground this year. So I'm I'm not saying he's going to come in and take work off Derek Henry, but Again, all it takes is for is for one player to go for a touchdown, and at three hundred dollars, you can't really argue with that one. No, absolutely. Well, I remember those two Pruitt touchdowns, and they were both against the Browns, <laughs> if my memory serves me correctly. But yeah, three hundred dollars, he could well be the value play of the weekend. Adam, let's come to you in terms of trying to find us some value from the betting lines and the perspective there. Um, interesting game this one, because again, I think yeah, graphic confirms he obviously. Baltimore red hot, so probably slight favourites despite Tennessee holding the seed. Yeah, yeah, I do, I do like the Ravens. Obviously, as you said, they are very, very on fire at the moment. They're they're plus one hundred and sixty five point differential was good for the best in the league, um, but it's it's a bit misleading because they just destroy poor teams. They're, they normally keep it close against decent teams. The Titans won the regular season game thirty to twenty four in overtime. It was that Derrick Henry um, L that he drew on the pitch on the um on the little uh, <laughs> dot dot pictures that he did. Um yeah the Ravens are ten and six against the spread. Um strangely enough they're only seven and nine on totals. I would have thought they'd be over that, but obviously that alludes to the fact that they beat up the bad teams and keep it close against the better teams. They've won ten first quarters and twelve second halves. Um every I believe and just let me double check my little notes. I think they've won every um, first, every time they've won the first start, no, that's a lie. They've won 10 of the 12 first. Um, they've won 10 <laughs> games where they've been leading at halftime. Um, so it's 83% of the games they've led at halftime they've won. Um, so they do tend to carry on where they leave off. Um, 
they've covered in the final six games of the season. Again, not against the best opposition, but it's fairly impressive. And they scored in every quarter of uh, 10 of the 16 games this year. So they do keep it spread out as well, uh, as do the Titans. The Titans have done very well in that kind of stat. Um, They've scored at least 96 points in one of the quarters all year, if that makes any sense. Um, So, yeah, I I do think it's going to be a high-scoring game. I do like Anthony Ferkser, as um, Dave mentioned. He scored twice in the playoffs last year, um, including, I believe, against the Ravens off the top of my head. Um, And he does – he just pop up randomly. Um, So I wouldn't be surprised if he he finds the end zone in this one. But, yeah, frankly, I think the Ravens are going to have too much for the Titans – I I've, I can't remember how many yards they ran against the Bengals last week. I don't know if anyone's mentioned that yet, but it, it was quite <laughs> it, it was quite a lot against my team. And um, yeah, I think they'll probably do the same again. The Titans are a little bit little bit better defending the run than the pass, but um, I I just think J.K. Dobbins could have a huge game. And as as we've all said, and as everyone knows, Derek Henry's obviously going to get a lot of carries. Mm. Saying, saying the Tennessee Titans run defense is better than the Bengals run defense is like saying that a kick in the shins is better than a punch in the arm. Yeah, yeah, none of them are exactly <laughs> brilliant. Um, officially, DVOA has the Bengals 21st and the Titans 16th, so a few spots better. All right, Chinese burn on the arm. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> just a slight upgrade, but um, yeah, yeah, I can only imagine a lot of points, and yeah, I, I just think. The Ravens are going to have too much and obviously avenge the loss of last year. Last year, basically, Tennessee just took away Mark Andrews um, and that that was it. The passing game couldn't move. And once they got ahead, they just ground out. Um, so they may well try and do the same thing. I'd imagine that will be the plan. But I, I just fancy Lamar to get off the schneid after his uh, playoff losses. Yeah, certainly a team coming into form at just the right time, aren't they? Um, probably got the slightly better of the two defences, but like you say, I think we're expecting lots of yardage, lots of points. So again, could be a good game to open up the Sunday slate. Uh, the middle game on Sunday is the Saints and the Bears. Most importantly, of course, this is the game that gets the Nickelodeon coverage, boys. Don't know whether we're going to get that feed on Sky Sports or not. I hope so. Uh, yeah, that will be interesting to say the least. Just before I flip it over to you, Tim, Dave, you'll be glad to know that of everybody watching us, nobody has come back and told us why the games kick off late. So if you're watching this on the regular audio podcast version, drop us a tweet and let us know why the games kick off five minutes late for the playoffs so we can... Uh, Put that to bed, ready for next week. But Tim, this uh, one... I need to uh, sleep. It's, it's keeping me up at night, so uh, please. <laughs> and this one kicking off 9.35, I think, if we've got that right, on uh, on Sunday. Certainly the middle game of the Sunday evening slate. Um, probably, dare I say, the one from the most neutral's perspective that seems to be the most obvious and one-sided of them all. But uh, maybe not. Maybe the Bears uh, cause an upset here. What do you think? I mean, it's probably not as slam dunk as probably everyone's looks on paper. And I say we'll come, we'll come to the bet with Adam shortly. But you know, the Saints have history of uh, of choking a little bit. Obviously, sometimes the referees have, have interjected and decided that they're not going to progress any further in the playoffs. But yeah, you cast your minds back to do is it 2010, 2011 playoffs? Uh, they were 
they played the Seahawks in the regular season and, and won. Uh, and then they traveled to Seattle uh, in the playoffs. And then that was Beastquake year. And they lost as, as 10 point favorites. They're 10 point favorites here again. Sorry to steal your thunder, Adam. But um, you know, these two teams played in the regular season. Uh, the Saints won in overtime due to Will Lutz overtime and field goal. That both teams had possession in that game. Uh, that was back in week eight. I think the difference, there's two differences in this game, though. Uh, for one, the Chicago quarterback is different. We've got Mitch Trubisky with Nick Foles back in week eight. Um, so, yeah, it's Ryan Pace's uh, dreams have come true. Mitchell Trubisky starting once again in the playoffs. <laughs> um, but for the Saints, there's no Michael Thomas in, in, in the Brie Kate game against the Bears. Uh, he's been battling to obviously um, injury and it's come off. It was a high ankle sprain. He's, he's come. I think he's come off IR now, but he's um, seen limited practice this week. Obviously, they've rested him for a couple of weeks once they, they clinched pretty much the playoff berth. So, yeah. Um, be interesting to see how much of rust he's, he has after obviously not seeing the field for three weeks. Alvin Kamara, uh, he's been on COVID for the last week or two as well. So uh, he is can be eligible for this game, um, but he won't see the practice field at all this week because he's only eligible to to play when they clear him on Sunday. So be interesting to see, A, the workload he gets, probably quite a lot. I mean, once it's like riding a bicycle, once you learn to ride a bike, you know how to ride a bike. You know, Give the Kamara the ball in his hands, either through the air or, or you know, handing it off. He's going to remember how to, to run the ball or, or catch it and find the end zone as well. He's only two, two, three weeks behind uh, his Christmas Day six touchdown performance, so he's not going to He's not going to get as much ring rust, maybe as uh, maybe Michael Thomas. But um, yeah, the, the question for this one is: is the Bears can they get to Breeze quickly enough uh, in that game in Week Eight? They only blitzed him nine times, just the one sack and the three uh, registered, registered hurries. Um, you know, this isn't the Bears' defense of 2018, and you know you could say that tra- on the trajectory they've they've worsened every year. They you know, they're probably middle of the pack in most metrics if you if you look it up in terms of sacks, pressures, and all that that kind of stuff as well, and points given up. So it's not it's not the Bears' defense that was. Um, you know, feared uh, from a, from a couple of seasons ago, um, and I, I I think the Saints will probably be just too strong in this one. The defense has been getting better as the season goes on. Again, they're a top three defense, I think, in quite a lot of metrics. Um, they're a really balanced team. Let's say if if, if Thomas and, and Kamara are able to go um, you know, you, on both, you know. On offense, they're balanced in terms of rushing and, and, and receiving, depending on what, how they want to game plan. Obviously, they've got loads of different weapons to do that with Taysom Hill uh, and loads of li- li- different gadgets and loads of stuff that probably annoys quite a lot of people. But you know, as a team, they can be balanced as well because they've got the defense to support if they want to run the run the ball, or you know, they, they can create pressure if they want if they need to pass it. So, um, I, I think the Saints probably just have a bit too much, but there is there is enough in, ingredients here in the melting pot to say the Chicago Bears could cause an upset. Ten points is a, is a big one to, to overcome but like I say they've, they've got previous back from 2011 where 10 point favourites got beat uh, away obviously they're at home uh, and they fans in this one but yeah I, I think the Saints probably uh, progress here provided there's no dodgy pass interference calls or no miracles and all that kind of crap that goes on that usually happens in Saints games they probably go out and wait one or two one or two more weeks but then who knows if, if, if Gunge gets on the pitch on the pitch or Slime you know covers covers Drew Brees' helmet then who knows <laughs> it could it could happen but yeah <laughs> no one wants a slimy helmet. <laughs> Whoa, hello. Uh, family oh, show, family show. Me. This is why I'm never allowed on. <laughs> David's probably a difficult one to, to sort of, again, figure out from a, a fancy perspective in this one. Obviously, as Tim alluded to, they're not quite sure how some of the Saints' usual star men probably fare going into this one, even if they're going to be on the field. Um, but uh, break it down for us from a DFS perspective, what you're liking. Yeah, and Alvin Kamara, I think it all came down to which, game, which day this game would be scheduled 
scheduled on as to whether he would be eligible to return off the, the COVID list or not. If this yeah. game had been the Saturday game, he wouldn't have been able to play in this one. That's just how close a thing it is. So I think it is a really interesting one to watch and any single setback there and Latavius Murray straight in with a value pick at $4,000 currently would, would, would massively go up in my, in my expectations. So I think it is worth creating a lineup or two at this moment in time with Latavius Murray at $4,000 um, just because of the work that he could potentially get if we do see any setbacks with Alvin Kamara. But of course, if Alvin Kamara does go at $16,800 for, for a captain, he's a great pick there. But my captain, and again, it's a little bit left field like it is before, it's going to be Alan Robinson. So 14400 there. Alan Robinson is he's one of the wide receivers in the league. And I think he, he goes a long way to help Mitchell Trubisky be looking like a quarterback in this league. So Alan Robinson is just that talented and he is he is almost a little bit matchup proof in, in just how good a wide receiver he is. So he is my he is my captain heading into this one. And interestingly, there are five players that are more expensive than, than Mitch Trubisky going into this one. Mitch Trubisky is is down there at thirteen thousand eight hundred dollars, which at a quarterback I feel like is is really good value in this one. And Mitch Trubisky, he's not been terrible from a fantasy perspective. Let's let's take let's take how he throws wide. He can't throw to a wide open receiver out of the equation. From a fantasy perspective, he's not been terrible. He's got a rushing touchdown in the locker, which uh, could be a case of um, if if all of his receivers are covered, he could need to, to take it on his legs. So I think Mitch Trubisky is a really good play as well. But uh, yeah, Kamara, get him in your lineup if he goes. Murray, I'd, I'd say put him in your lineup now because his price will only go up if Kamara if Kamara goes out. And uh, Alan Robinson as well. I think he's going to have a really good game in this one. Dave, just, just for, I don't really play DFS too much. I've played with Adam and Adam's league a little bit. So, so if you put in Kamara in your things, now you get him locked out that price. It doesn't. It doesn't retrospectively go up. Is that how it works? Or yeah, you set your lineup now. You get that done. Okay, didn't know that. I thought it would just retrospectively change, or they, or the the, the prices would just stay the same no matter what what happened. No, it was a bit of fluctuation. Yeah, it has been. It has throughout the season. At times, they have fluctuated. Generally, they change the entire sort of lineup. So, it, you you could, in theory, still get Murray for four thousand a, a kickoff potentially. But uh, I think to Dave's point there, though, his value is only going to go up in terms of what he's going to produce. Obviously, if we get the news on Kamara, I think the other thing to bear in mind with COVID is obviously it's becoming more and more of an issue around the. We'll get onto that when we get to the sixth game that's scheduled for this weekend very shortly. Um, but a number of the players coming back aren't necessarily 100% when they do. It's obviously an illness that's affecting people differently, obviously a respiratory um, illness, and obviously some players are really, really struggling uh, to come back. So, you know, just because Alvin Kamara might get the green light in terms of not uh, testing, you know, continuing to test negative, and obviously, fingers crossed for him, he does, even from an efficiency point of view, you know, they may well want to spell him um, with Latavius Murray, um, you know, so he, he could well be a value even if uh, Kamara does go in this one anyway. Adam, from a, a betting perspective, um, I'm assuming that um, obviously Saints are going to be favourites in this one. Yeah, there you go. Talk us through, buddy. Um, yeah, the Bears, obviously, we know they're not the best team in the league. They are 8-8 eight and eight overall. They're 8-8 eight and eight against the spread. They're 8-8 eight and eight on overs. Uh, and they've won eight first halves this season, so they are smack bang in the middle. That's, and the, Jason, points... that's the Jason Garrett trifecta there, eight and eight. 
Pretty much, yeah. They're plus two on point differential as well, which kind of further emphasises the fact that they are bang in the middle of everything. Um, as Dave said, the Trubisky's actually done okay um, since he came back. They are over in five of the last six games this season, and they've averaged 30 points in the last six with uh, with Trubisky and under centre. Admittedly, they've played some pretty awful defences. They've had the Lions, Texans, Vikings, Jags, and the Packers twice. Um, so it's not entirely them being brilliant, but they've, they've been doing it. So fair play to them. Um, from the Saints side of the ball, the Saints have scored at least 21 points in every game this season. They've won 11 first half, 11 second halves. So they're, again, they're fairly even. Uh, they've scored 30 points per game um, and they're seven, one and one against the spread in the last nine. So they've been covering very, very frequently over the last few. Um, they've actually covered nine of nine and seven this year. So they, they've obviously been doing above expectation, which is what you'd expect from the Saints, frankly, because they're a very well-coached and well-run team. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it's... I don't know why I went under 47, to be honest. Um, <laughs> it was probably because I didn't want to take the spread. I don't want to take either side on the spread, so it was just a kind of stab in the dark with the uh, with the total and with Shabisky doing so well against poor against poor defenses. He's coming up against one of the best defenses in the league here, so I think that's why I went with under forty seven. Um, I don't think they're probably going to get. I doubt they're going to get to twenty. Um, and then obviously the uh, the Bears defense is. It's still okay. It's not as good as it was. Still, still go, still getting there. So, wouldn't be surprised if they kind of keep them a little restricted. So, I think that's why I went under forty-seven. But it's uh, still a little bit of a surprise that that was my pick on this one. It's a bit of a trappy game, I think, from a betting perspective. Because as Tim said, right at, the, right at his opening, these sides have played obviously in the season, and it was a closer game than people expected then. And I think, yeah, minus ten would suggest a blowouts on the cards and. You know, I think we all probably are going to favour the Saints. We'll get to the predictions a little bit later on. But, um, you know, again, it wouldn't be the biggest surprise in the world if this was certainly a close game. I think minus 10 is, is a little generous. So, yeah, good luck anyone having a bet in that one. Um, maybe, Adam, the under will come out good mate, in the end. It's uh, certainly, <laughs> certainly a tropical contest. Final yeah. game then, fellas, of the weekend. I say final game because... I've still got my fingers crossed that it won't happen, but you never know. He probably will be forced to play. I am, of course, talking about the Browns, their first playoff game in 18 years against the Steelers. Um, Tim, I know you've got some notes prepared, and I know you've got a corking line ready uh, to deliver for us, so I won't spoil your thunder, but uh, I'm sure to me to, to give my perspective on it. But over to you, buddy. Uh, yes, yeah, certainly. Um, I mean, looking at this game, it's, it's a really hard game to know to, at this point. We would say we're going to be live on, what, Thursday evening. Uh, we don't really know the status of players. We don't know the status of the game. Obviously, we know that Stefanski and some um, uh, multiple players are going to be missing due to COVID anyway. But um, I don't I don't see how, how Cleveland have much of a chance in this one. Uh, COVID issues left, right and everywhere about centre. Uh, thank you very much. Um <laughs> I mean, obviously played week 17. Uh, Browns needed to win to, to be in. Um, they barely beat a Mason, Mason Rudolph-led Steelers team at home. And this time they have Ben Roethlisberger travelling to Heinz Field. Um, and here's a question for you. Do, you. do you know when the last time the Browns beat the Steelers in Pittsburgh? Any question? Any, any guesses the year? Was it 1066? 
No, <laughs> <laughs> like the uh, the only win, the last win uh, that the Browns had in state at Hinesfield, two thousand and three, and that is the only win in the franchise history that the Browns have had at Hinesfield. So, um, not only have they got COVID issues, not only have they potentially just got um, crap in their pants, steering um, bunny rabbit and headlights kind of against them, they also have uh, history against them as well. But you know, this is a Pittsburgh team that haven't played great football since probably the end of November. To be to be quite honest, everyone's been quick to jump on them obviously we've we've had our backs and forths um on that and how bad pittsburgh have or how good they've been uh all season to, to be quite honest um the defense is there to be got at despite it being statistically you know obviously tj Watt leading sack leader statistically pretty good um and fitzpatrick obviously doing the bizzo back there as well um you know the, they are they are the third stingiest team in terms of points allowed um but you know they've They've not. They've played Ryan Finley twice, or, or one. I can't remember who there was in the first game, but they've not. They've not given up um, over twenty points uh, since week thirteen, and they've they've lost to a team led by Ryan Finley. So that says all you need to know about the Pittsburgh Steelers over the last couple of games, the last in the last month or so. Um, I think for Cleveland to win again, I've said it for a couple of other games. They need to get up early and grind it out. Nick Chubb, despite only playing twelve games this season, has over a thousand yards. Kareem Hunt has been a perfect complement, and they've been a great one-two punch to watch this season, um, even from fantasy perspective or, or from just a general NFL standpoint as well. Um, the wide receivers, yes, yeah, so obviously they, they've only just come back from wide receiver uh, from COVID issues themselves, and um, so they'll have to step up Baker Mayfield will have to step up um he obviously he's, he's not he's had critics all of his career essentially uh, ever since his his dip on, in performance after his rookie season um and then for Pittsburgh you know you, you kind of just have to spread it around you've got three wide receivers there uh, that have combined for 25 touchdowns Chase Claypool and Juju Smith-Schuster with nine uh Jonta Johnson with seven even James Washington has got five so they've not got much production out of the run game uh, James Connor and Benny Snell Anthony McFarlane whoever Jalen Samuels whoever whoever they've put in that backfield has not, has not garnered uh, much production on the ground so it, you know you can get at, at Cleveland's uh, pass defense so they've got the weapons to do it big, big Ben has not been as successful in his deep bombs as, as he used to be you know he's not uh, he's not getting any younger but I think the the game plan will probably be slightly defense led I think they'll be able to to stifle Cleveland's no matter what shape or form they come in um and I think it's probably going to be a low-scoring game, personally, considering all the the furore uh, in the game. You know, Steelers have only put tw- put up thirty points or more twice this year. They've been messed around all season with COVID, by weeks, and all, all that kind of stuff as well. So, um, if the game goes ahead, I can see a low-scoring game, um, but I, I, I can't. I just can't see scenarios where Cleveland win it. I just there's too much against them. Um, but I, I hope for your sake, Sean. Obviously, they do. Uh, it's nice to see uh, Cleveland Browns in the in the playoffs for the first time in obviously since you've started supporting them. Um, so I, I wish you guys all the best. Yeah, thanks, mate. Um, yeah, it's just a, it is a shame. All joking aside, it is a real shame that it's it's obviously happened at the time that it has. I think you know of all the players, we're talking some significant players as well in terms of the likes of Joel Batonio, who's been a rock on the defensive line. Uh, he's going, you know, he's a Pro Bowl left guard. Um, he's been phenomenal all season long. Denzel Ward, obviously, the top corner. Um, there is a chance he could be activated in a similar situation now to Alvin Kamara. I think the earliest he can be activated is Sunday morning. Um, and let's face it, fellas, it's Thursday. More news today that Ronnie Harrison, the starting safety, has now gone on the list. And unfortunately, and this is where it could become a problem, apparently that is likely to have come from within the building in terms of um, the same strain being passed from player to player. So 
it will be interesting. I'm really not sure of what the solution is and what the league can do, if anything, to be completely honest. Um, I mean, to be honest, every time my phone goes off with a notification now, my only hope is that it's not number six. And that's basically about where I am right now. Um, the, the head coach is the biggest loss. You know, whatever the players are going to come and go, the, the head coach has been phenomenal all season. Um, and again, the league, the league is just so... So stupid with some of the rules. I mean, why the guy can't work remotely and be in communication with the team is just beyond me. But apparently it's a no-go because of league rules about outside contact. Just honestly. Anyway, I'm sure that come Sunday night, Monday morning at one fifteen, when Nick Chubb's running for 50 yards and the Browns are up 7-0, that'll all go out the window and I'll get uh, I'll get all excited for a brief moment. <laughs> Dave, tell me, tell me that you're captaining Nick Chubb, surely, in this one. Like you, you've read my mind, Sean. Yeah, absolutely. Nick Chubb. Um, he missed the, the first game against Pittsburgh this year, but uh, second time round, which of course was was only last week, we saw him rush the ball fourteen times, hundred and eight yards, and a touchdown there as well. So, so Nick Chubb, he, he he's not going to see really that that PPR upside here, but uh, of course. The Pittsburgh Steelers' defence has been renowned this season as, as stuffing the run and, and really limiting running backs. But, but Nick Chubb had a, a great day last week and I expect him to have a similar similar day this week. So with, with the tight ends that they've got there, the offensive line, I, I expect that the Cleveland game, will the game plan will be to, to go in and run the ball. And, and like you said, I don't want to tread on Adam's toes here, but a, a low-scoring affair that he's, he's going to concentrate on the run in this one and, and just try and do everything that he can to stop the Pittsburgh pass. That being said, um, as you've mentioned, a, a couple of a couple of players out on the on the defense there. So I am liking Deontay Johnson in my lineup as well. Uh, I will say with the showdowns on DraftKings, the the prices for the showdowns aren't published yet. I think that's because technically it's the next day or what. I'm not quite sure. But the the other five games that the prices are out for the showdowns, and we've got prices if you're setting a lineup for the for the whole contests. So. Um, I am. I am assuming that the, the prices will match up. But yeah, Nick Chubb, captain Deontay Johnson. I want him in there as well. And value. Uh, I think that David Njoku is, is going to be low priced. I can't say for sure yet in the, in the showdowns. But I think he uh, he could crop up with a, a touchdown or two in this one. And uh, yeah, play action. Get it to Njoku. Let's let's go for him as the low value option. Liking him, mate. Liking the optimism. A couple of Browns working the DFS lineup. I'm liking that. Adam, I'm sure you're going to uh, keep my optimism going here, aren't you, mate? I can give you a little bit of hope, yeah. Um, when the Browns win the first quarter, they win the game. When the Browns win the first half, they win the game. Every time they've won the first quarter or the first half this year, they've gone on and won the game. Uh, they've all, they've won the first half 10 times this year, actually. And as I say, they've gone on to win though every single one of those games. So, if you do think Nick Chubb's going to take your 7-0 up, then uh, who knows? <laughs> you might be in with a chance. Um, the first quarter is probably a decent bet. The Steelers haven't scored in the first quarter for the last five games, um, including that one where it was Ryan Finley that destroyed the Steelers. It wasn't uh, Brandon Allen. It was Ryan Finley's one start, and he got benched swiftly after that as soon as anyone else was healthy, which is a little harsh. Um, but, uh, yeah, there you go. Um but yeah, I, obviously the Steelers were, I think they were four and a half point favourites before the COVID news. Um, and Betonio is obviously the big loss there on the left guard because he's a big part of the run game and keeping Baker upright and obviously going against TJ Watt is is never easy with a full strength line, let alone um, a few players missing. So that could be 
it's why it popped up one and a half points, I think. And Stefanski is the play caller as well, I believe, which as well as being the head coach, that's obviously going to be an even bigger loss for them. So the, the, the getting the instruction of run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, play action probably isn't the most detailed thing in the world, but it will affect them. Um, but anyway, yeah, uh, back to <laughs> back to the betting kind of stuff. Uh, the Browns are actually six and ten against the spread, so uh, not done brilliantly. And they're the only point; they're the only team in the postseason with a minus point differential. They're minus eleven uh, point differential in the season because they've been smashed by the Steelers and the Ravens. Uh, the Steelers beat them thirty-eight-seven in that first one without Chubb. And frankly, last week I'm not giving too much credence to on either side of the ball. I don't think the Browns were at their best, and the Steelers obviously rested those players. So I'm, I'm kind of writing that one off. Um, the Steelers have only covered two of the last six games. And as I said, they haven't scored in the first quarter of the last five. So I honestly, I don't, I don't really know. I've, I've got a sizable bet on Pittsburgh minus five after the COVID news came down, but I'm not exactly overly confident with it. Uh, they've just been, they just haven't been very good in the second half of the season. I think big Ben resting last week. I think that'll be huge because he looked, tired he looked sharp frankly and obviously his age with the wear and tear on him that week after probably going to do him the world of good and is sorely needed and frankly i wouldn't be surprised if um the steelers come out and try a load of deep shots because they've been criticized a lot for just dinking dunking for most of the season um and for all we know after being 11 and 0 that could just be them kind of hiding the playbook a bit so i i honestly don't know frankly what's going to happen i've gone for the over which is against you guys um everyone else pretty much thinks it'll be a fairly tight one i, I just think there's the odd chance that it could be a little bit of a shootout more like the uh well not like the ravens browns that was a heck of a game but just just a fairly high scoring game so yeah i'm gonna plump for the over and um hope for a good one to finish off the weekend i'm i'm off work on monday so i may try and stay up for this one um, Adam, I just well, just your thoughts on obviously it was four and a half at the start of the week, and obviously the news it, it came, the, all, everything came down to to see kind of what happened and after the dust had settled. I was gobsmacked that this this became minus six. I I was expecting double digits. You've you've like I say you've got no your, your play caller, your head coach is not on the sideline and can't do absolutely anything. You've got potentially at least you. Know, um, I can't remember the, the player that Sean said was out. Uh, was it Batalingo, did you say he was out? Uh, Betonio uh, and Hodger out. Yeah, I mean, considering that you know, you've got the Browns who are in their first playoff uh, playoff game for, you know, mm. since I was in nappies, um, God bless Pampers, but I, I, I can just see plenty of scenarios where the Browns don't score 10 points and the Steelers just, uh, again, can score 20 to 24, maybe even 30. Um, they, if they want to, the Steelers can score uh, at will. I just don't, I don't understand why it was minus six. Why, why is it only one and a half point difference from, you know, considering the amount that could be out or will be out? I'm, I'm actually still surprised that it's not down, that the, the prices aren't still down whilst they still mm. wait for more information. Um, but I can only see that, that, that line going to eight, maybe even nine but before kickoff i, th- I think because it wasn't mayfield it wasn't chubb it wasn't hunt i think if it was one of those three obviously the line would probably move a lot more but a left guard isn't it, it might be big for cleveland because of the run game being such an important thing for them but for most teams left guard is kind of half a point play caller probably a point so it's probably about right to be honest the move mm-hmm. it's not it's not huge cadaryl hodge isn't exactly a a big player even though he He's what wide receiver three or four, Sean. He's he's around there, isn't he? He's kind of a yeah. bit part. 
Yeah. Um, and obviously, you're not exactly deep there this season with um, Odell going out early on. So yeah, I I was happy to jump on at five when I when I got it because I did expect it to move more. And mm. the the Browns haven't dealt with this COVID thing. It's been going on for a month or so now, uh, kind of closing down every week with uh, little bits. And it it kind of I mean it sucks for the Browns obviously that it's happened now where. A couple of their big players, or a couple of their players are out, but it, it has been kind of building, and that, that might be why the league have been a little bit more strict with it, and just kind of gone, no, tough. You've you've had you've had bits over the last month, but yeah, it, it's it's a tough one. I I can't I can't really call this game. I um, QBs making their first appearance. I think I heard earlier on deep dive that they're fifteen and thirty two straight up. Um, so only winning a third of their games. Um, Suma said uh, it's quite possibly because they're mainly on the road because generally you don't get a first appearance QB being a top seed, so it could be the fact that they're on the road a lot. But um, yeah, that, that's a fairly fairly wide-ranging stat and fairly damning one for first appearance QBs. Obviously, Josh Allen was one last year and he he uh, chucked it away, literally just kind of scrambling and throwing the ball. So I do fear for Baker a little. I'm not the biggest fan of him. I don't think he's really that great, but um, we'll we'll see. I, th- I think it should be a fairly interesting game. Yeah, it's just a, like so it's a shame that COVID is having such an impact. I've been on record as saying I think if all things were equal, I think the Browns could have even started this one as favourites as, as early as a couple of weeks ago with the way that the two teams were playing. Um, but God loves an underdog. Um, <laughs> so, fingers crossed, come on, Cleveland. So, that's all the games gone through then, fellas. Um, do we want to load up, Tim, the predictions then that we've got for Sunday? And there we go. We've all got. Oh, no, we haven't all gone. We've all gone for the Saints, fellas, so we won't touch on that one. Dave, though, you've gone for the Titans in the early window. Yeah, I, I have done. And it's it, it's going to be a, a game of full of running, and Derek Henry is the best running back in the game. So. That's my theory behind that one. And, and Titans are at home as well. So that just gives them the edge for me in this one. Fair dues, mate. Fair dues indeed. And then, boys, we've got 50-50 in the final game. I've obviously gone out with complete blind faith and loyalty and the fact that I just can't possibly pick Pittsburgh. Um, but Dave's on my side as well. I think um, I think if the Browns have got a chance, going back to your betting, Adam, I think if the Browns have a chance, it's got to be over 47 points. I think they need to win a shootout. Um, the, the Browns' defense has been pretty poor all year, COVID or not. As you say, they've got a negative point differential. Um, but obviously, as they proved against the Ravens a few weeks ago, they can score with anybody. Um, but obviously, like I say, huge, huge loss. Fingers crossed if the game does go ahead, though, that it uh, at least is still a competitive one. Uh, it'd be nothing worse for the league than it being a blowout um, to, to round off the weekend. So just to recap on all the predictions, there they are Tim, um, Buffalo. Seahawks, Tampa, Baltimore, New Orleans, Pittsburgh, myself, Bills, Seahawks, Buccaneers, Ravens, Saints, Browns. Dave has gone for the Bills, the Titans, the Seahawks, the Saints, the Bucks, and the Browns. And Adam is on the Bills, Ravens, Rams, Saints, Bucks, and Steelers. Obviously, as we announced on our podcast on Monday, there is a full 10 yards competition running. Uh, we'll retweet out the link for you to join that and join the playoff challenge. We'll also post it on the Facebook site for those of you accessing us through that platform. Obviously, you've got to get your selections in before the World Card Games kick off on Saturday. And as we've discovered, they kick off at five past six, ladies and gents. So you've got five extra minutes. That's why they kick off 
flight do so everyone can enter a full 10 yards playoff competition mate. So <laughs> that makes, makes sense yeah. makes absolute sense and just in terms of that, we've plotted it all the way to the final, um, and that's what we've got on the screen. So a couple of the lads gone for the same one there. Kansas City to beat Green Bay uh, for Tim and Dave. Kansas City to beat New Orleans for me. And Kansas City to beat Tampa Bay for Adam. So I think there's a familiar trend there, boys. I think uh, <laughs> I think, uh, I think we all believe that the best team in football are still the champs. And uh, obviously, as they say, to be the best, you've got to beat the best, haven't you? So uh, someone's got to be able to prove Ooh. that they do it um dave come back to you just to round us off from a dfs perspective um you alluded right at the outset that you were going to loop back to isaiah mckenzie you've obviously looked at each game individually but in terms of the overall weekend slate if somebody's playing a team to run across all six games have you got a, a lineup to throw at us yeah indeed so we're switching now from the the showdown to the classic so it's going to the, the nine month election so we'll start at the quarterback position and again i don't like spending too much money at the quarterback position because i think there's more value to be had from the other positions so here i'm going to go for philip rivers at five and a half thousand dollars he is the ninth uh, of the 12 um quarterbacks playing this weekend he is the ninth well sorry the starting quarterbacks that we assume are starting he is the ninth most expensive but he's got the fourth best matchup according to according to DraftKings, and I believe that the the Colts will be chasing the game for a lot of this one, so we will need to throw the ball. He will have a pickup or two maybe in him, but um, I think Philip Rivers will still get you around the twenty point mark easily. Running back one, as we mentioned before, it will come as no surprise to know that this is Derek Henry at $9,200. He is the most expensive running back there, but I do believe that he will produce the most value for you. So uh, that's quite an easy one there. And what I do want to do is pair him up at the running back position with more of a receiving back. So uh, we've got Naheem Hines, uh, Kareem Hunt and JD McKissick. They're all between the $4,700 and $4,900 range there. And I think Hunt is probably the, the best out of those. I think he has got a, a touchdown up the sleeve because he does get the, the most carries out of those guys. Uh, JD McKissick, we, we've seen him have some fantastic PPR weeks. And Naheem Hines has, has had a few receiving touchdowns as well. But they are a little bit more hit and miss, in my opinion, than Kareem Hunt. I think Kareem Hunt will be uh, the best option of those three at $4,800. Then we scoot over to the wide receiver position and uh, Chris Godwin and Alan Robinson are the two guys that I'm starting in the two wide receiver positions there. So with Mike Evans questionable, as we mentioned before, that's that's why I'm picking Godwin at $7,000 in this one. He, like Antonio Brown, has had four touchdowns in the last three games and I expect that to continue against the, the Washington football team this weekend and Alan Robinson uh, a fun little uh, trend here for Alan Robinson. In his in his last few weeks, his targets have gone 13-7, 13-5, 13-5, which means, of course, he's going to get 13 targets this weekend. Um, there's uh, not much science based in there, but uh, <laughs> I'm hoping that trend of 13 targets continues. Um, and he's, he's had he's had a couple of 100-yard uh, games in the, in the last four games as well, which uh, excites me for this one. And I'm pairing those two up against Cole Beasley. So Cole Beasley is $5,300 and he has been a rejuvenated player. Like the stats that he's putting up this year compared to what he has been doing previously in his career is quite incredible. He is, however, questionable with a knee injury. So that is, is one to, to look out for headed into this one. Of course, I'm not going to be putting Cole Beasley into my lineup if he doesn't go. But uh, a PPR machine, he's averaging 14.8 points per game this season. 
Eric Ebron is going to be my tight end. It's a it's a good matchup for him, but uh, he is very touchdown dependent on this one. Again, tight end is a position that I don't like spending too much money on, so $3,700 seems about the right price for, for Eric Ebron here, considering that he will need a touchdown to, to, to really um, do your team good. Now, the flex position is an interesting one here, and it all comes down to who you've gone for your running back to. That's just how tight the, the, the money brackets are here. So we've got Cam Akers, who I mentioned as, as my captain earlier in the, the Rams-Seahawks game, although he hasn't had a touchdown since week 13, and it's the cheapest price that you can get him at $5,100 since week 14. Or you could go for one of the cheaper guys, like Naheem Hines as your running back two, and then go for Rojo as your, as your flex player here. Now, he has had a touchdown in four out of his last five games here. So it really comes down to which pairing you'd like there, but you can't afford all of them together. So what I would do is, uh, what I tend to do is when I'm creating a DraftKings lineup is quarterback first, uh, spend a little amount of money, stack up your running backs, wide receivers, and then I jump straight to DST. Again, DST, spend the least amount of money on whatsoever. So I'm going for the Browns in this one at $2,500. Big Ben... I don't think the steel. I, I, I'm going against the grain, but I don't think this is going to be a high-scoring game. So uh, the, the Browns did have an interception and a sack last week. So um, I, I'm I'm going for the Browns DST in this one, and then that gives you a better idea as to how much money you've got left to spend in the flex. And the the way it worked out in this lineup, um, Acres if we if we go for uh, anyone, and then Rojo if we if we go for Hines only, and then we're in about two position. But yeah. I'm hoping that's going to make me some money this weekend. How much, how much was Alan Robinson? Sorry, Dave? 6,600. Yeah, me, Tim and Adam drastically jotting down his uh, team there to make sure that we avoid all of those players now so we can <laughs> yeah. I will. I will publish it, don't you worry, just to make sure that you uh, are <laughs> <to> avoid. <laughs> and Adam, obviously, league's up and running uh, through yourself this weekend, I'm assuming, as usual. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, yeah, if you go to my page, tdtips.com slash DraftKings, you can find out the information there or nfl-dfs.com, which Sean uh, very kindly gives me his uh, lineups each week on as well. Um, you can find the details to join my league and then you get notified every time there's a competition started up. Excellent. I shall be getting a team together and avoiding all of those players. Not because I thought they were bad advice, just because I obviously want to beat you, Dave, so I need to pick a different nine players. <laughs> right, fellas, it's been an absolute pleasure. Um, obviously, a great weekend of, of football to look forward to. Hopefully, we do get all six games. Um, hopefully, not just in the Cleveland-Pittsburgh game, but in all the other games, there are no more off-the-field issues uh, that are going to have an impact on them. We want the best players uh, on the field in January. We want the best going against the best. And I think in general terms, looking at the playoff fields, I think we, you know, we probably have got the, the 14 teams that deserve it over the course of the season. I know there's a question mark about Washington, but like I said, I think they've come on well at the back end of the season and, and certainly could be an intriguing matchup. Myself and Tim will be back on Monday with the regular cast of myself, Tim, Lawrence and Kieran. Hopefully he's back off injured reserve to break down the weekend action that was Obviously, in terms of the stuff from Adam, Dave, and all of us here at Full 10 Yards, there'll be plenty of stuff between now and kickoffs to get you bang up to speed um, with what you need to know. Obviously, the betting line's likely to change as all the money comes pouring in at the weekend. So make sure you're following Adam um, at Touchdown Tips on Twitter. 
Um, and obviously, um, you know, make sure you're following all the boys here at Full 10 Yards as uh, we will be the place that you need to be for all things playoffs. There you go. David is the man when it comes to fantasy. Absolutely. Yeah, Cheers, great, Nick. Uh, Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> great season of content from all of us across the regular season. Um, you know, like I say, m- much thanks to all of you that listen, watch, interact with us. Um, you know, we've seen some good numbers this year. We want to obviously keep continuing to grow and our coverage will only get better and more in depth throughout the course of the playoffs. Your written article will be up tomorrow if you'd rather write, uh, read about it than listen to us. Uh, we'll get you covered in all ways, shapes and forms. Until Monday when you'll see me and Tim again and until next Thursday in terms of us four on the screen in the great words of Mr Kevin Cadle. It is of course bye-bye for now. Bye-bye. for listening to the full 10 yards podcast follow us on facebook or twitter at full 10 yards or email the show full 10 yards at gmail.com